Amen. Amen. Good to see all of you this morning. Sorry we had a little bit of a of a, a deal with the auditorium, but at least it brought us all a little bit closer together today. Nobody can sit back there. Hey, we're glad to have you here. Second Timothy chapter 2 is where we're going to be at today for our study. Second Timothy chapter 2. While you're turning there, again, I just want to say a thank you to Bob and Joan Kilburn for hosting our a baptism last night. It was just amazing. We baptized uh, 11 uh, folks last night from the church, and there were 60 people that showed up to support them, and it was just an amazing, amazing evening. So thank you all for that. And speaking of that, as I was there last night, I was talking to someone who said, Pastor, I just want to let you know that this past week, I had two conversations with people who are looking for a church just like the Oasis, and so I invited them to, to come. And it just reminded me, for all of us, just to be conscious of the conversations and the people that God may have us, you know, uh, bump into or connect with, because there are people out there that may be looking for a church like ours, or they're not they're not being fed in their church, and they're looking for a church where they can be fed and grow and all of that. And, you know, we don't do any advertising. In fact, the, the gentleman said, he said, have you ever heard of the Oasis? And both of them said, no, I've never heard of the Oasis. And I get that. You know, most of how people come to our church is by word of mouth, by you folks getting out there and inviting others to come. So uh, as summer is here now in Phoenix, uh, you know, it's a good time actually, even during the summer, to just be aware of the people that we run into and the conversations. And you just never know, God may have you run into somebody uh, that's looking for a, a church family. And uh, we would love to, to be part of their family if that's where God wants them to be. So we're in this study of Second Timothy. And uh, Paul is is getting ready to go into eternity. He knows that his life on earth is, is very short. And so he's writing this last letter that he ever gets to write that becomes scripture to this young Timothy who's a pastor. And he's basically encouraging Timothy and everyone in Timothy's congregation, look, I'm getting ready to cross the finish line as a Christian. I've competed well, I've finished the race, I kept the faith, I'm getting ready to cross the finish line, and I felt moved by the Holy Spirit to communicate as clearly and as passionately as I could to other Christians who are running this race, but not quite where I am yet, how they can finish well as well. And today, Paul's going to zero in on one thing. Everything he talks about really comes back to one thing. And that is, he's going to say, here's how every Christian can assure themselves that they're going to finish well, and that they're going to end their Christian life uh, successfully. And he's going to say to all of us, it's all about our relationship with this book right here. It's making sure that we have a healthy relationship with the Bible, that as individual Christians, that we're making sure that we are, as we read it and study it, that we are interpreting it properly. That we are handling the Word of God correctly. Because Paul's going to challenge Timothy. Timothy, as a pastor of a local church, you better make sure that you understand that you are teaching the Word of God correctly. Because 
Your people that sit underneath your teaching, you could totally destroy or dismantle their Christian life if you're not teaching this correctly, if you're not handling the Word of God correctly. And we all know down through history, there have been many people uh, who have mishandled the Word of God, who have not taught it accurately and correctly. And there are many Christians who have somewhere along their Christian life allowed uh, false teaching or false teachers or a misinterpretation of Scripture to totally derail their Christian life. In fact, even in the last three years of the existence of our church, there have been a few, not a lot, but there have been a few Christians who used to come to this church who, not obviously through us, But obviously through other days of the week and all of that, they started to allow things that weren't biblical to take root in their life and to influence them. And now their Christian life has totally went in the tank because they started to listen to things and believe things that really weren't biblically accurate. And so we can't say, well, if people just went to a church that taught the truth, folks, You can go to a church that teaches the truth, but let's face it, even if you come to the Oasis on Sunday and Tuesday, that's two hours out of the week. There's a lot of other hours in that week for you as a Christian to be influenced by so many other people. There's so many other voices out there that want to capture your attention. And therefore, it is so vitally important as Christians that we make sure that we are not only growing in our understanding of God's Word, but that through that, we are growing in discernment, and that we're able to separate what the Bible truly teaches, and what is error, and what is not accurate or correct. With that said, that's why in this passage, beginning in chapter 2, verse 14 this morning, Paul's going to tell Timothy and all people underneath him in his local church, here's what we need to be aware of as Christians. Here's what we shouldn't do with the Word of God. Here's how we will mishand- can mishandle the Word of God. And here's how we can begin to handle the Word of God correctly. And Paul's going to say, if you and I as Christians keep handling the Word of God correctly, keep interpreting it properly, we will finish well, now, in verse 14 then, Peter or Paul starts out by saying, remind them. And it's a word that means continually remind them. Continually remind people of these things. What things? Well, in the context, things that he just talked about that we talked about last week. Things that are trustworthy. Things that are certain. Things that are sure. Things that, that God has revealed. Things that have been made known. In other words, Paul is reminding Timothy, don't have your people or you focus on what can't be known. Focus on what can be known, what God has truly revealed. And remind people of these things and solemnly charge. The words mean to seriously warn them before the Lord. So again, Paul's trying to talk about how serious all of this is. And here's the first thing. Not to wrangle over words. Paul's basically saying to every Christian, don't spend your Christian life arguing. 
Don't be argumentative. The Bible is not something that that we should beat people up with and other Christians with. You can't argue anybody into the kingdom of God. The Bible clearly teaches that the Spirit of God will prepare hearts. And if there are hearts that are ready to receive Jesus Christ, then there doesn't need to be any arguing with an unbeliever about coming to Christ. We have to be sensitive to who God has prepared. And then we share the gospel and we share Jesus Christ. And then as Christians, we shouldn't argue with each other over the Bible. That doesn't accomplish anything. Most of the time, either Christian's not going to change their opinion. And later on, Paul's going to remind Timothy, listen, only God can change people's minds and hearts anyway. We can't. So stop as a Christian spending your precious time and energy in life wrangling over words, quibbling over terminology, entering into a war of words. Because notice what Paul goes on to say. This is of no benefit. There's no profit. There's no advantage. There's no worth. There's no value to being an argumentative Christian and using the Bible to argue with people about things. In fact, notice what he goes on to say. It brings ruin on those who listen. Paul's saying, do you realize, Christian, that when you're in an argument, maybe with an unbeliever or even another Christian, that you probably aren't the only two that's listening in on that conversation? That there are other people listening? And how is it going to come across to even other, maybe unbelievers, when they hear you arguing with that unbeliever? Or how is that going to affect them whenever they hear even two Christians arguing? Is that going to be attractive to them and wanting to come to Christ and give their life to Christ? By the way, the word ruin here is the Greek word catastrophe. Hmm. The only thing we did different in the English was change the K in the Greek to a C. And that's exactly what it means. It brings catastrophe on people. When we are so argumentative and we use the word of God in a sense to beat people up. Instead, Paul says in verse 15, to Timothy and to all people in his congregation, not just to Timothy, because notice back up in verse 14, he says, remind people, remind the people in your church, Timothy, about all these things, because the principles are true for you as the pastor and for your people. Make every effort to present yourself before God as a proven worker who does not need to be ashamed, teaching the message of truth accurately. Now, obviously, that last part is especially for the pastor or the teacher of God's word. Again, to make sure that what we are teaching is correct, it is accurate, it is careful, it is precise. Folks, we have to be very careful if we, if we say one thing that's not biblical, we have to understand that could jettison or send someone off on the wrong path. Because, again, mishandling the word of God and not teaching the truth and teaching it inaccurately is so serious. That's why Paul says at the beginning, seriously warn Christians about this. Because this is serious business. Mishandling the word of God has blown up Christians' lives 
since the word of God became the word of God. You know, the Bible is a great treasure. It's a great tool that God has given us. But just like anything in life, if it's used correctly, it can bring great benefit and unbelievable value to our lives. But if it's mishandled and not used correctly, it can cause unbelievable, irreparable damage. And so in verse 15, Paul's basically saying to Timothy and to every Christian this. If you're going to put your energy into something, don't put your energy into being argumentative. Don't wrangle over words. Put your time and energy into making sure that you get what the Bible says right. That you prepare yourself and that you take personal responsibility for acquainting yourself with this book and getting it right and making sure even as a Christian that everything you hear taught by me or any other teacher that you are comparing it with scripture and making sure it's accurate and then everything else you hear for the rest of the week not just on Sunday and Tuesday that you're making sure that you're not buying in at all to false teaching and that you're not allowing people to influence you in an inaccurate or unbiblical or incorrect way. Because Paul is saying, it's going to show up. The word workmanship, or presenting yourself as a workman, he, he's trying to use the concept with Timothy of, say, a, a contractor or a builder even today. And he's basically saying this. He's saying, if a builder of a home doesn't use good materials, and doesn't really, let's say it this way, their workmanship is shoddy, you know, that they're not really careful or precise in how they build that house, then that poor workmanship might not show up right away. But somewhere along the line, the poor workmanship that has been put into that house is going to show up later on, and it's going to cause a lot of pain. And Paul is saying the same thing to Timothy and every Christian. Christian, you may not see a lot of pain right now from the lack of your relationship to God's word or the fact that you're allowing things that aren't biblical to influence you and you're not being precise and correct in your interpretation of scripture. And you might not see the pain now, but Paul's basically saying, oh, it, it will show up. Somewhere along the line for all of us as Christians, if we have misinterpreted the word of God, if we have not handled it correctly, and we are believing in something that's not biblical, that poor shoddy workmanship that we have done with this book is going to show up someday and going to cause us and those around us a lot of pain. And so Paul is saying to Timothy and to every Christian, make sure that you put all your effort. And the words every effort in verse 15 at the beginning means a focused, steady, energetic effort to present yourself, to make yourself available to God as a workman that's not shoddy, a workman that doesn't take shortcuts, a workman that puts their time into this book and gets it right. Because at the end of the day, the most important thing for the Christian in relationship to the Word of God is not how much of the Bible we read that day, not how much of the Bible we studied that day, but whatever we did allow to affect us, whatever part, portion of Scripture or verses we did read or study that day, 
that we make sure that we got them right, that we make sure that we understood the correct interpretation of those verses, and that we're applying them correctly. Because even if we take one verse, or even one word incorrectly, and we begin to somehow misinterpret that and apply it to our lives, like Paul said in verse 15, somewhere along the line, that poor workmanship is going to show up. And so it behooves all of us. That's why I tell Christians, as far as their devotions goes, guys, it would be better for you to to get off of the track of thinking you've got to somehow devour so much of the Bible every day just to do your Christian duty and your devotion. It would be better to just take one verse every day and truly absorb that one verse. And let that one verse make a difference in your life. And let that one verse and truly what God says in that verse be correctly interpreted and applied to your life. That would go so much further in your life than trying to read a chapter a day, really not understanding much of what you read, and maybe at some point even misunderstanding what God's trying to say, and somehow then getting a wrong idea about God or His plan or His purpose for your life and taking you in a different direction. That's why then Paul says in verse 16, Don't also spend your time and energy in speculation as a Christian. He says, avoid profane chatter. The words in the Greek simply mean empty, fruitless discussion and speculation. He says, don't spend your time in discussions. In speculating, well, the Bible hasn't, isn't really clear about this, but let's just spend time speculating. Paul says, really? You and I have only so much time on this earth, only so much time and energy, and we're going to spend it discussing and speculating. And can I say, as a pastor of a church where we teach the word of God, that one of the things you see emerging in the local church today through things like the emerging church is it's all about not having pastors or trained people who know the word of God to teach it. That's not cool anymore. That's not popular. What we do today is we get people, Christians in homes, and we just have big discussions. And basically what it comes down to, and you've heard me say this before, is mutually shared ignorance. Nobody really knows what the truth is, but we're going to sit around and speculate about it and discuss it. That's why can I say this? Home Bible studies and small groups can be really a great benefit to Christians. But I have also seen in 29 years of ministry where if you don't especially have good leadership in each of those home Bible studies and small groups, where the people in those Bible studies and small groups can go off somewhere away from what the Bible teaches and, again, get derailed in their Christian life. They begin to just start having discussions and speculating rather than focusing on what can be known and how it can be applied to their life. So Paul says, avoid profane chatter because those occupied with it Notice, we'll stray further and further into ungodliness. In other words, Paul says, here's what the result is. When you're not focused on the truth, and you're not focused on interpreting it properly and applying it properly, 
then what ends up happening is the people who are involved in those discussions and those groups, they don't get any more spiritual. They don't become more godly. That's part of how you and I can check whether we're handling the word of God properly or not. If you and I are handling the word of God properly or not in our own lives and with others, then it's going to lead all of us to be more godly. We're going to see that somehow I'm growing. I'm becoming more like Jesus Christ because that's why God gave us the word anyway. As I've said before, the Bible's not for information. It's for transformation. And if we're handling the word of God correctly, then we're also going to see as we apply it to our lives that we're growing in godliness, not straying further and further into ungodliness. That's why many Christians can be part of a group of other Christians and sit around and discuss things and speculate about things and never grow. Because Paul says, well, if you're not focused on the truth, then you're not going to grow. If you're just sitting around discussing and speculating, don't expect to really think that somehow, all of a sudden, I'm going to get godly. Actually, the opposite happens. People stray and stray further into ungodliness because, like we've said before, biblical principle. If I'm not getting more like Jesus Christ, then I'm walking further away. There is no such thing as I get to a certain point and I just stay there. Nothing in our life is static. We're all changing every day. And we're either changing for the better or we're changing for the the words. We're either going closer to Christ or we're drifting further away from him. Sorry, this just means a lot to me. Can you tell? So Paul then says, and their message will spread its infection like gangrene. Paul's basically saying that, believe it or not, even though things aren't true, it's all speculation. Somehow people more are receptive to that than they are truth. Somehow what is false and what is speculation seems to get a a hold on people more than other, and they're more receptive to it. And yet Paul is saying it's like an infectious disease. It's that damaging that, that if it's not right, how it can do so much damage to people because he compares it to an infectious disease. And he says their message will spread its infection like gangrene, and then he calls out two people by name. Hymenaeus and Philetus are in this group. And notice what he says about them. Verse 18. They have strayed from the truth. See, that's where it all started. These two men got it wrong. Their interpretation of Scripture was wrong. But as I said, as Paul said, if you and I misinterpret Scripture... It's not only going to negatively affect us, it's going to be an infectious disease that affects other people as well. And that's why he goes on to say, they have strayed from the truth by saying that the resurrection has already occurred. Now, he's not talking about Jesus' resurrection. He's talking about the resurrection of believers that hasn't come yet. And because they misinterpreted Scripture and got it wrong and did not teach the Word of God accurately, notice what is happening. Verse 18, they are undermining some people's faith. Literally, they are destabilizing other Christians. Now, he doesn't say all, because obviously there's some Christians that were strong enough in what God said that even though these two guys started to teach that the resurrection had already happened, they were like, well, that's not true because it doesn't line up with what Scripture said. But see, we've got to realize 
There's a lot of people, especially today, that they're not familiar with this book. There's a lot of baby Christians out there that just came to know the Lord, and they don't know what the Bible teaches about things like the resurrection. And so it would be so easy for them, especially when they're not grounded yet in the Word of God, to hear something that some other Christian or some Bible teacher says that's not accurate and go, well, and so-and-so said that, and they've been a Christian longer than me, so I guess that's true. They don't know. They might not even know in the Bible where to look for themselves to be able to know whether it's true or not yet. Which is, again, why it's so important that as Christians, as churches, we disciple. We get new believers grounded in the Word and get them growing so that when they do hear something that's erroneous, like this, they don't buy into it. Or things like, the world's going to come to an end. When, If you know the Word of God, you know that when people come out, and even pastors come out and say stuff like that, well, that's not what the Bible says. I can totally, but every time something like that happens, we see how many people are gullible, how many people buy into it. Well, maybe the world is coming to an end. Maybe the resurrection has already occurred. We should not use the Word of God to destabilize people. Just the opposite. If you and I are handling the Word of God correctly in our life, it's not going to bring instability to our life. It's actually going to bring stability to our life. Our life is actually going to be more firm, more fixed by using the Word of God than causing us anxiety or angst because we're using it incorrectly. Then he goes on to say in verse 19, however, God's solid foundation remains and stands sure. And he's simply just saying, look, in spite of what people do, and whether they don't believe what God has said or not, that doesn't change who God is and what God has said. We talked about that last week. Forever, O Lord, your word is settled in the heaven. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my word will never pass away. The grass withers, the flower fades, but God's word endures forever. If every human being on the planet all of a sudden, in unison, just said, there's no God, it's not like God would just poof, disappear. No, His foundation is sure. And He gave us this word so that our foundation in our life could be sure as well. And then Paul goes on to say, oh, by the way, the Lord knows those who are His. But notice, everyone then who confesses the name of the Lord must turn away from evil, verse 19. In other words, again, if I'm handling the word of God correctly, instead of the word of God creating in me a a way to be a more intelligent sinner, giving me some kind of thing to where I have the attitude of, I'm going to live my life and see how far I can go before I cross some line. I'm going to see how much I get away with. The Word of God, if handled correctly, is always leading us to a progressive holiness. In other words, if we're using the Word of God the way God intended, then we should become a holy people, turning away from all that is not right, all that is evil. If we are, as Christians, not turning away from evil, then that simply means we are not having a healthy relationship with what God has given us, His Word. Then he uses a household illustration, verse 20. Paul said, now look, in our day and even today, in a wealthy home, 
They're not only gold and silver vessels, but they're also ones made of wood and clay. Some are for honorable use, others for ignoble use. Paul's simply saying, in every household, you have things that, especially when you invite company over or have people over, you want to put them on display. You want to use those dishes. And I mean, because you've got some stuff in your house that, you know, especially if people come over, you hold it back. You don't put it on display. And Paul's saying, do you realize, based upon our relationship with the word of God as Christians, that God wants to put our lives on display? He wants to use you. He wants you to serve. He, he wants to use your life to impact other people's lives. But if you and I are not maintaining a pure life, if our relationship with the word of God is not what it should be, then he's going to hold us back. Not because he wants to hold us back. He wants to put your life on display, but God will not use dirty vessels. God will not use a Christian vessel that is misinterpreting the word of God and not only blowing up their lives, but blowing up other people's lives as well. He will hold that person back. And so Paul says to Timothy and to everyone in his church, don't you want to be someone who's put on display and used by God? Don't you want to be that go-to for God? I certainly did. When I played sports, even though I was the sixth man a lot of time on the basketball team, many times, because hopefully I played well when I got in, the coach actually played me more minutes than some of the starters. And I love the fact that when the game was on the line, if I was on the bench, the coach would look at me and say, Royce, get in there. I love being the go-to, the one that the coach wanted to put in at a critical time. And Paul's simply saying, don't as a Christian, don't you want God to go to you, to use you, to tap you and go, come on, get in there. I want to use you. And so Paul then goes on to say in verse 21, so if someone cleanses himself, so notice it's our responsibility, not God's, to cleanse our own life through the word of God. Then he says, he will be a vessel for honorable, honorable use, set apart, useful for the master, prepared for every good work. By the way, here's another thing that the word of God should be doing if we're handling it correctly. The word cleanses in verse 21 literally means to clean out the clutter. And God gives us his word for many purposes. And one of them is, Hopefully, as again, we handle the word of God correctly and use it correctly in our lives, it's cleaning out the clutter of our lives. Because let's face it, it's just like our homes. We can start to accumulate clutter over time. And the thing that's going to keep the clutter down and keep us focused is the word of God. The psalmist writes, your word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against you. And if we want to remain clean and pure and usable before God, then we need to have a healthy relationship with this book. And again, if if we're using this book correctly, then we're not going to stray further and further unto ungodliness. We're actually going to become more like Jesus Christ through proper use of this book. We're not just going to sit around and argue about things and and enter into speculation and empty discussions that really don't lead anybody positively anywhere. We're going to focus on what God has said, and we're going to focus on the truth, and we're going to make sure that we're encouraging everyone around us, including ourselves, that we are daily applying this to our life so that it's making a difference in our lives. It's not just filling our heads with information. Then Paul goes on to say this. 
Flee, keep away from youthful passions. And instead, pursue. And when he says pursue, he's like, I mean, go after it with everything you've got. Put your everything, maximum effort into it. Righteousness, faithfulness, love, and peace. See, again, if the word of God is used properly in my life, it will enable me to flee the things that I should be fleeing and running from and withdrawing from and distancing myself from. And it will give me the energy and the fuel and the desire to run after the things that I should. And then notice this very important part. If I'm using the word of God correctly, it won't keep me from my fellow believers. It will actually draw me to fellow believers because I will come to an understanding through the word of God that God doesn't want me to live my Christian life in isolation. God wants me to live my Christian life. Notice how Paul says it in company with others who call on the Lord from a pure heart. Don't miss that phrase. See, for Christians today, again, who say, hey, I I can worship the Lord by myself and I don't need to be part of a local church and I don't need to be faithful to a local church and I don't need to be connected to people in a local church because I can serve God and worship God on my own. They are mishandling and misinterpreting the word of God. If they understood what the Bible clearly taught, they would be running to church. They would be saying, i got to find a local body of people that I can do this in company with. Because that's what the Bible teaches. And then he goes on to say this. Don't be combative. Again, using the word of God incorrectly. Notice what he says in verse 23. Reject foolish and ignorant controversies. The word basically means... Uh, a, a worthless exchange of words. Can I tell you, when I was in Bible college and seminary, sad to say, some of the biggest worthless exchanges of words were with ministerial candidates who just sit around and think at 21 or 22, like we did back in the day, that we had... We knew all this theology and we were... And we just sat around arguing about the Bible and theology and things like even people get hung up on today, things that you've even heard about, Calvinism and Arminianism and things like that, and going, really? Is anybody really getting more godly by discussing all this stuff? So notice what Paul says. You know that being combative like this and contentious with each other just breeds, it gives birth to infighting. In other words, instead of peace, instead of bringing unity to the body, all it does is divide. All it does is cause fights. All it does is cause debate. And do those debates really end up putting anybody further down the road towards being like Jesus Christ? Paul would say, no. And then he goes on to say in verse 24, the Lord's slave must not engage in heated disputes. Literally, don't be contentious and combative when it comes to the Word of God. It's great that as a Christian, we know what the Word of God says, and we're growing in it, and we have our spiritual convictions. That's good. 
But if somebody else doesn't share your convictions, do you think entering into a heated debate with them and fighting with them about it and being combative and contentious is somehow going to change them and make them more like Christ? And then by you entering into that combative, contentious debate, are you becoming more like Christ too? No. Not at all. See, this is how Paul says Christians can mishandle this great tool, the Word of God, and not be using it correctly. So he goes on to say, in contrast, that the Lord's servant, slave, must not engage in heated disputes, but be kind toward all, easy to get along with, an apt teacher, patient with people, Correcting opponents, yes, but doing it with notice, gentleness. Gentleness. Now, a couple things. So Paul's saying, look, it is absolutely required that Christians know what they believe and why they believe it. How can we educate or correct others if we don't have a knowledge of the Word of God ourselves? But it's the way we do it. It's the manner with which we do it. It's how we come across both to Christians and to unbelievers that really sets the person who's handling the Word of God correctly. Because here's the deal. This is one of the things God has taught me and is teaching me in 29 years of being a pastor. If I'm handling the Word of God correctly as a Christian, one thing it's going to for sure do in my life is humble me. Not lift me up in pride. And there are too many pastors and Bible teachers and even Christians who, after a number of years, they think they've got a handle on this book and they know it pretty good. And instead of making themselves more humble, they think they've got every answer. They think they know it all. They can't be taught anything. You say, how do you know that? Because I've had some of them in my church. And they want to tell everybody else, every other Christian, how it should be. And that we better do it their way. And there's no spirit of cooperation and, and trying to bring us together and unify us. It's all about, you better see it my way, or I'm out of here. See, if we're truly handling the Word of God correctly, it humbles us. It doesn't lift us up in pride, no matter how much we think we know or we do know. If we're handling the Word of God correctly, it humbles us. Not only before God, but before others. Even even if we are right, it's the way we come across and the way we present ourselves and the way we handle that conversation with others. Because like there's others who may be listening and may be turned off if we're not doing it with gentleness. And then he goes on to say, correcting opponents with gentleness, perhaps God will grant them repentance and their knowledge of the truth. And they will come to their senses and escape the devil's trap where they are held captive to do his will. Hang in there for just a moment. Really important as we wrap this up today. So one of the things that Paul is saying is this. 
If I have a proper understanding of the word of God, here's something else that that comes into my life that's really freeing. I'm not responsible for people's response. And God doesn't expect me to change their heart. Because as a human being, I can't change their mind or heart. The only thing that changes people's minds and hearts is, first of all, if they're willing to be changed, if they have a teachable spirit at all and have any opening at all to maybe hearing another side of something. And second, as Paul says, only God can grant people repentance. It is a gift from God. Only God can change someone else. We can't, even if we try. And so Paul says, if I have a proper relationship with the Word of God, I will never try to use the Bible and try to beat somebody into changing or force change on somebody else. Because I will understand, as a human being, I can't change anybody. I don't have that power. God does have the power, but even then, the person who needs to change, and maybe it's even us, we need to be willing to change. We need to be willing to change. But don't miss this. Paul's also saying something unbelievable here. Because he's talking to Christians. He's saying to Christians here at the end of verse 26, do you realize, Christian, that instead of being an instrument for God, a tool in God's hands, like he talked about in verses 20 and 21 and 22, that if a Christian does not handle the Word of God correctly and not have a proper relationship with the Word of God, that they actually can become a prisoner of war of Satan, and instead of being an instrument or tool for God, they can actually become, as a Christian, a tool or instrument that Satan is using rather than God. That's what he's saying in verse 26. When he says, perhaps God will grant them repentance and knowledge of the truth, and they will come to their senses and escape the devil's trap where they are held captive to do His will. That is the language of a prisoner of war. A spiritual battle. And Paul isn't talking about unbelievers here, folks. He's talking about other Christians. And he's saying, Christian, be aware of something. Every moment of our lives, even as a Christian, I can either be an instrument or tool for God to use for good, Or if I'm in a bad place or I am mishandling the Word of God, I am actually being used by Satan to destroy what God wants to do. And if you've been a Christian any length of time and been part of a local church, whether it's ours or some other local church, you know that to be true. Because you know that there maybe have been times where God used you But there may have been times where based upon conversations and things that you said or did to other Christians or whatever, that wasn't God using you. That was Satan using you. And we've all been there. And we also know, many of us, that we've been hurt by other Christians. Because at that moment in time, They weren't being a tool or instrument for God. They, at that moment, were in Satan's hand. And they were were being used to inflict damage upon the body of Christ. And so Paul is laying out here in this passage how vitally important it is 
that we handle this great tool, this great instrument, this great treasure that God has given us correctly. Because if we mishandle it, if we misinterpret it, if we somehow get it wrong, then like Paul's saying to Timothy, we're not going to probably finish well. And not only is it going to negatively affect us, but just like he mentioned in this passage, we may even be undermining other people's faith when we don't get it right. We could be like a Hymenius and Philetus who, who misinterpret Scripture, goes around sharing the misinterpretation of Scripture with other Christians, and because they're not grounded, we begin to undermine their faith as well. And they begin to believe things that aren't biblical. I just want to say thank you all at the Oasis for being a group of people that are going after truth in your life. And part of that I know because you want to be part of a church where you hear the truth. Because let's face it, the Bible says in the last days there will be many who turn their ears away from the truth. They get caught up in things that aren't biblical or they misinterpret scripture and they go off in a very damaging and dangerous direction in their life. And they may never recover. And so Paul is saying to every Christian, you want to finish well? Make sure you have a great relationship with the Bible, the Word of God, because it will get us to the finish line. It will help us to navigate life like nothing else can. That's why the psalmist said, Your word is a lamp unto my feet, a light unto my path. Let's pray. God, we thank you for having this healthy, sobering reminder about the importance of your word in our lives. And how, Lord, it's not just about how much of the Bible we know how much we can quote, how, how we might even know the address of many verses and know where to find them in the Bible. God, if it's not making us more like Jesus Christ, then there's a disconnect somewhere in our Christian life. We're not handling the Word of God correctly. It's never just about information, Lord. It's about transformation. It's about leading us further and further into godliness, not straying further and further into ungodly. And you've clearly taught us through the Apostle Paul that we should never use the Word of God to be argumentative, to be speculative, or to be combative. That doesn't accomplish anything in our lives or in the lives of those we're talking to. God, use this message in our lives. Use it in our church's life to truly, again, bring us back to center and remind us why we're here, why we come to a church like the Oasis, why we're part of a church like this, why we, as individuals, run after the Word of God and hunger and thirst for that truth. Because, Lord, it's going to help us to finish well and finish strong. Go with us, Lord, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, before we sing our last...